thanks to Cryomold and a shitwood of dare. A shitwood. A shitwood. I don't know. Yeah, this is a family-friendly podcast. I don't think you Tish. can... A shipload? Yeah, that's the one. Thanks to Crime Malt and lots of Dagwood dogs. This is Brews News Week or Good Bre- I, Good morning. Hello, listeners. G'day, Matt. This is the Beer News of the Week, Prof. Beer News of the Week. That's the one. <laughs> Making news this week, thanks to our very good friends at Crime Malt. I'm sure I mentioned that. Uh, Stone and Wood in both uh, trademark and new premises news. Mornington Peninsula Brewery gets bought by Tribe and we look at beer versus drought. Matt, day nine. It's a Saturday morning. It's been, uh, for you, close enough to two weeks of um, 12-hour days, bumping in and then uh, running a, a, a representative exhibitor's stand at the, uh, the Royal Queensland Show and uh, plying lots of very eager uh, punters, some very new on their journey you, through you, this thing called independent beer. You realise how long the exhibition is, Prof, when you realise that this time last week we were recording the last episode? It, and we're still doing the same thing during the day. That's it. That's it. It's uh, very early on Saturday morning, so please forgive any uh, errors of judgment or uh, pronunciation or uh, if we forget things, like each other's names. Very, very long days, but very much well worth it. And we probably don't... We gave it a pretty good uh, summary last last week. Uh, we probably don't need to go over it uh, too much. But yeah, just again, just awesome and just so exciting to see how people's minds are open to craft beer yeah there's a lot of excitement around for uh, for beer in general uh and and yeah people really looking forward to i guess sharing their knowledge with us and, and coming along on that journey um and so, and thanks to all of the the brewers who have supported us thus far uh matt bit of news since last we spoke we uh we saw uh crafty pint revealed that uh mornington peninsula brewery yep was uh to become part of the tribe Family, which is formerly Brewpack, Brewpack, sorry, Brewpack, uh, Brewpack, um, and yeah, that was well. Look, it, it 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 broke this week. It had been humming along for a while. I think uh, former editor James Atkinson commented on you know, Australia's worst kept worst kept secret secret, um, and there, there'd been a bit of a chat, you know, way back to Good Beer Week about that. But yeah, the, the interesting thing about stories like this, Prof, is, and I guess this ties in a little bit to the stone and wood stuff, a lot of the narrative around the, the brewing industry and acquisitions is you think that Lion, CUB, Asahi are going to be the ones buying uh, craft breweries. Yeah, and perhaps um, the second level, you know, your Dixon groups or your Colonials or the, the big sort of... Uh, well, the hotel... Related, yeah. 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 Uh, well, there was, and that's a bit more of a newer thing because I think the, the narrative is always big by small. Yeah. not big in another industry gets in to another one. Yeah. Um, and here we're seeing, you know, uh, Tribe, um, which made its name as a contract brewer, um, recent, more recently started to go out with its own brand. Um, Pretty successfully. Successfully. With, with, with Stockade, certainly in terms of um, popular um, acceptance but and, and as well as you know, critical acclaim. Yeah, yeah, still very much in the bubble. Um, it's, it's a brand, oh, the Stockade sure. brand is very much in the bubble and it's not really an outreach brand. But then 
and maybe that's where the attraction of them buying Mornington. So uh, Mornington, which is eight years old, nine years old. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 2010, they they opened after Hawthorne? the genesis of the idea. Or Richmond. Okay. 2008. One of those football Hawthorne, teams. Hawthorne beat Geelong. Hawthorne beat Geelong. There you go. Matt Beebe said, yeah. And, and that old thing of always do sober what you promise to do drunk, they opened a brewery. Um, and interestingly, Matt, rather than you know, a couple of mates and their families get a, a big bank loan or whatever it might be. Um, Matt managed to sort of rally uh, friends, family and onlookers, uh, I, I'm going to say around ni- 19 or so yeah. to, to start with as the original investors. And uh, I guess a lot of people who have spoken to us about this particular topic have sort of said, well, how is that any different to getting venture capital or how is it any different to having a banker and a finance, another finance institution and maybe an angel investor um, as, your, as your financial backers, is it any different to say if those 19 people were just close family and friends? Because at the end of the day, anyone who puts money into someone else's business, presumably- They're investors. Doesn't want to lose that, lose that money, yeah. but they also want to see that money not just sitting safe for 10 years until you know something happens and they can get the money back, or to be able to say, I part own a brewery, there's got to be some, I guess, legal um, avenue to say, I'm expecting that at some point, my $10 will turn into 12. Yeah, you, you put money in the bank and you know that your $10 is going to be there when you go back. Yeah, and primarily you, you put it there because it's safe. Get a little bit more. And it's, um, it's earning a bit as it goes, yeah. If you're going to put your money into something that's speculative, you want a higher rate of return. And yeah, that's why it's called investment, not donations. Like it's a, yeah. not a charity. Um, and, 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 and I remember back when we first saw, you know, it was different from, you know, uh, Muggsy and his mate just sort of cobbled together, together yeah, a, a bit of a thing. And his dad more, was a yeah, mechanical engineer, so he got some farm machinery yep. or, you know, a milk vat or something and turned it into a, a brew yeah. kettle. There, there are a lot of debates on Facebook groups and things like that about what ownership means and some of those things. And if you've got investors, they want to return. Yep. I guess there are going to be different profiles to investors. You know, like a, somebody that's private equity, they have a much bigger group of uh, people who are much more ambitious than a bunch of people who don't want to lose their money, have a bit of fun along the way, and maybe make a return yep. um, down the way. But it's but it's all just part of that same continuum. So Matt, are some of those uh, shrill, chattering voices that we often see on the Facebook column section going to be happier or more content that a good brewery has bought another good brewery rather than the big brewery, the big bad wolf, or um, a private investment company or something like that? I, I'm, I'm sure. And, and Does it, this look better for both yeah. Brewpack slash Stockade slash yep. the Tribe and Mornington? Absolutely. And, and one of the things that you, you notice straight away is that if it's a popular brewery, people are much more forgiving. There are some people who are quite hurt, but they're much more forgiving. And that's the same. There's certainly more comment along the lines of, well, at least we know the, you know, the quality of the beer is not going to change. Yeah, yeah. Although there were, then again, there were a couple of ridiculous comments um, saying the opposite thing yeah. as well. But look, you know, good luck to them. It, it, it just highlights the industry and just how interesting the industry's getting at the moment, where it's not just the big buying small. We're seeing, you know, medium-sized uh, regional um, and maybe even arguably national breweries starting to amalgamate to yeah. get that yep. all-important scale. 
Um, and, and Matt Mornington's an interesting one, I think, because it's in an industrial area of a um, effectively the last metropolitan suburb before the Mornington Peninsula. And the Mornington Peninsula is its Victoria's playground, and at, on, on one side, at one end, you've got Flinders and Portsea, which is sort of, I guess, you know, the, um, uh, the, the beach house of the rich and famous and, and all that sort of thing. The other side, the Western Port Bay side, a little bit more urbane, um, but then you've got lots of agriculture, you've got um, plenty of orchards and you've got uh, you know food and fine food and produce and all that sort of thing and a, and a few sort of destinations and day spas and all that sort of thing. But And so Mornington kind of plays on, on both of those. Like you can go and visit the brewery, it's not a, you're not in an idyllic, you know, uh, it's not like going to a relaxing game. locale, exactly. Uh, but it's still is able to, um, I guess, leverage off the fact that, oh, Mornington Peninsula, it's, you know, it's down that way. Um, beers are solid, really good range. Um, under the stewardship of, of AG, Andrew Gow, uh, the beers were always solid um, and I think ticked a lot of boxes in terms of, of the market. The reason they're selling must be, okay, in order to maintain sustainability or growth, you know, we need we need another investment, and perhaps our original nineteen. The whether the gloss is worn off, or whether yeah, look, what I signed up for, I'm still happy to do, but I, I can't do it again and take it to the you know to help you guys to the next level. Yeah, I, I don't know the details. Well, I, I don't know. The, the narrative certainly is you know we'd maxed out, we needed to reinvest. Yeah. Uh, so is that is that Mornington looking to go uh, into, um, overseas? into Chinese markets or into New Zealand or something? Or is it, like, can, can you get Mornington up here, MPB? Um, we, we can, we absolutely can, so the Mornington brand. But, yeah, you know, I was actually going to get Matt on the uh, podcast fairly soon and have a bit of a chat about the, the thought process. So we might uh, put that as um, an outcome. As a, a beer in the uh, beer's yeah. conversation for, yeah. But, uh, but I think what it means for the industry is that we are seeing that it's hard to be small. Um, if you want to have any distribution footprint at all, it is really hard to be small. Um, yep. And... And it's also hard to grow yeah. um, because you need to invest in it, and with every investment, there becomes risk. So the alternative is that you go small with the option of of having maybe a couple of revenue streams, uh, and go for the brew pub model. But if you're also kegging your beer to sell to local venues, and then you're you've got a brew pub yourself, you risk alienating your, your customers. customers. We've seen that. Um, question asked before and I got a, a phone call during the week from somebody in the industry who uh, was keen to get my thoughts after my trip to the US on how breweries in, in, the, in the bigger cities are coping alongside the bars and the reality was in a couple of the cities we went to we didn't really go to that many bars because you could go straight to the brewery. Now I don't mm. know whether we bypassed the bars or they just kind of weren't there but I did notice more so than the capitals here is that I could go into just about any cafe or restaurant and I would find rather than a tap selection that was clearly tied to one yeah. major internet multinational brewery there were all of those local breweries represented so in, in restaurants as well as bars mm. and cafes and that sort of thing um, which leads us nicely into Stone and Wood who have obviously sniffed the wind and uh, well first of all the changing of the labelling of the Pacific Ale to the original Pacific Ale, which you pointed out to me the start of last week. 
in, end of last week. Yeah, it was one of those it was an interesting kind little of... uh, media <clears throat> lists as it came out. Now, details are a little bit uh, scarce. Um, the, the 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 trademark matter. There, there were two different cases on foot. Yep. Um, Stonewood lost in the federal court about the passing off. Um, they were scheduled to this next coming week to be back in court a, in, in the um, trademark um, case. There was mediation last week, and suddenly a media release popped up saying we're rebranding. We're going to call it what it is: the original Pacific Ale. Um, so I suspect that whatever the mediation resulted in, um, Stone and Wood has, uh, I would imagine, decided not to persist with the Pacific Ale um, yeah. trademark. But I believe that they, from what the media release said, uh, are going ahead with the original Pacific Ale trademark. Yeah. Um, which is, again, you know, quite interesting. You know, as a, a full disclosure, I was called as a witness on Stone and Wood's um, behalf, yeah. behalf, independent um, witness. Um, but it, it's really interesting trying to get your head around case law um, for, for things like trademark because on one hand, you look at all of the uh, beers that, you know, cherry gripe or, you know, have a little bit of a fun. Yeah, Skittlebrow. Skittlebrow, yep. and they get away with it. Um, and, you know, there's no trademark infringement. And then... Uh, you know, Stone and Wood, other uh, brewers had used Pacific to describe their beer in, in, in a range of ways, but I don't think anyone had um, called it Pacific, hey, Pacific Ale, Ale. In, yeah. in that way. And a lot of brewers respected that first mover, you know, the Stone and Wood, you know, like you yeah. saw people. Yep. And there's been an unwritten sort of thing that a, a, a polite phone call to the brewer. We've been sitting around the table, we've been spitballing some ideas, we've come up with this, just thought we'd run it past you guys. We'd, just by way of courtesy, are you guys yep. cool with it? Yep. And I think, I, I believe that in this particular case, a polite phone call was made the other way, just sort of saying... Yeah, and I don't know too much about that side of things, but it was just one of those things. But over the last 10 years, Pacific Ale has come to me. Like, if you said to somebody that knew anything about craft beer, oh, this is a Pacific Ale, they would be thinking light, dry body, galaxy, fruity hops. Yes, yeah, so I reckon even more than that. I reckon if somebody said to you Pacific Ale, you would think, oh, yeah, Stone and Wood, you mean? Oh, no, sorry, that, that, that was next, yeah, so, yeah. so that, that, was, that was next step. But I, yeah. I, I, I think... I don't, I don't think people would think of Pacific Ale as certain hallmarks of I, 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 yeah, flavour and taste but, and but, aroma, but that, but necessarily. But I, I, think I would think they would think of it far more specifically as that particular brand of beer. I, and, and that's the next step. I, I think they, if you said somebody, this is a Pacific Ale, they would get exactly what they would be expecting yeah. from it. But then that's only been created because of the phenomenal success of that one beer. And so to me, Pacific Ale and Stone and Wood go hand in hand and, and they are almost in, inseparable. Um, yep. So, and, and, and so, yeah, so it was, look, it, was, it was very interesting. But aren't they calling them the original Pacific Ale? You know, as they said in the media release. But yeah, so, so yeah. that was quite interesting. That was one of the battles Stone would face. But then uh, yesterday... So was there any... Um, have we had any response? Any reaction from, uh, from the other I, side? I believe a response was sought. Uh, Megan, uh, who, who contacted him, and uh, contacted um, Philip Withers from uh, Thunder Road, who apparently declined to make a comment. So okay. that's all we could say. Um, 
But uh, yeah, but, but then yesterday, um, we're recording this on Saturday morning, on Friday afternoon, uh, learned that Stone and Wood are going to be opening a venue in Brisbane. Um, and this is a real case, made of sniffing the breeze and, and I think being fairly cluey about the way things are going. Um, there was much excitement, um, particularly in, in Brisbane, in, the, in the, the more mainstream media, with the announcement that Brewdog, the Scottish giant, had uh, chosen Brisbane as the, the location for their brewery. But I think what perhaps slipped through to the keeper, in a lot of people's minds, and particularly the general public, is that it's not just the brewery that they're investing in in Brisbane. No, and, and it's, they're making a brewery um, here. They're going to make beer and distribute it fresh. But at the same time, an, an integral part of the Brewdog rollout is the Brewdog bars, um, where they control the uh, distribution. So that was February. And uh, I, I find it fascinating that there are some really good craft-focused bars in Brisbane that really embrace Brewdog with uh, you know, open arms and a you know, you know, very passionate embrace, um, which is cool because they make awesome beer. But I don't think they quite understand what the flow-on effects of that vertically integrated model is going to be. Um, and, so and you get the, you're going to get the brewery, but you're also going to get you're also going to get some in the same way that you've got the Manchester, Venice, Rome, Edinburgh, well, like Glasgow. I think 20, uh, 25 around the world, maybe fifty around the world. So Brewdog branded venues, yeah. pubs. And then they make a big thing of saying that we've got, you know, we have guest taps and, yep. and things like that. Yep. But then again, any venue that's got a 70% contract with CUB has, has 30% guest taps, yeah. theoretically, as well. So so that was one thing. But then we've also seen the, you know, Bavarian beer cafes and the Urban Craft, um, that brand, that since they took uh, private equity investment from Quadrant um, two years ago, really put the accelerator down on all of their branded venues that are centered around their contract brewed beers. They import, you know, you can still get the Germans there, but somebody posted on our Facebook page yesterday that they went to Crafty Bavarian and it's a shame that you can't get more German beers there. Once upon a time, and I used to love the Bavarian beer cafes because they did that right thing of having a good selection of German beers really paying respect to the German culture and then still giving it a light, um, you know. Without going the plastic with Paddy's Irish pub yep. experience well, kind of thing, but it, it it seems to have been more... It, it's really, yeah. I mean, to, and, again, and the newer ones certainly seem to be a little bit less about a genuine nod to German tradition well, yeah, and, like and more, German, not dumbing it down, but... I would say taking it low, low, you know, sort of lower market, um, you know, middle, middle market. Deutsche Light. Um, well, Deutsche Light, but, but appealing to uh, the food court crowd, which is ironic. Yeah, and look, they're starting to run it, run them out in supermarket food courts. Yeah, well, we've just had one open in a in the dining precinct, mm. um, cinema precinct of our local shopping centre. And it's interesting that the one that we visited the other day um, doesn't have, you know, Stiegel or, or Weinstefan or Franziskana. It has its own crafty Bavarian crafty, uh, urban, uh, urban craft. Urban craft. Um, so your, your Bombshell Blonde and the Lederhosen Lager or whatever yeah, those yeah, ones well, are. But then they've got Green Beacon or they've got they'll have Stone and Wood. And they'll have a Stone and Wood on and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so. whereas, whereas ours, you've got the, the, their, their house brands. The, and then the rest of the beers are all um, the Franciscana. They're all you know, yep. through Kolsch, 
All, all, all the originals yeah. all, and really trademarks, like flagships of their of their particular styles. Like Francis Khan is a great V-spear. Oh, absolutely. Um, Fru is a great example of a, of a of a good Kirsch. But they're taking it. You know, they're, they're expensive. They're taking it down. You get a better margin, even if you're contract brewing. And I believe that they're going to eventually open a brewery. Um, but we've seen the Australian uh, hospitality company, which used to be Dixon Hospitality, um, which owns Beer Deluxe. Again, a great chain of beers. Um, but they bought Hawthorne. Yep. And there is always that thing when you've got a business that's growing at the rate that Stone and Wood or some of the other breweries are, you've got big customers in the form of these hotel groups. And when you jump on their websites and start digging through and seeing some of the iconic venues, um, I think it's the Australian Hotel Co. was just bought Fridays in Brisbane. Plus, I've got a couple of, I think it's some of these mini Very, stuff. Yeah. yeah. But when, when you've got a big customer that has a big chain, you sell them a lot of beer, but then you can also see that they're creating their own brands. That, that can be quite scary. And uh, it, it, it's happening across all of these big hotel chains that they are looking at the Australian um, brewery in um, Sydney, um, just outside of Sydney. In Rouse Hill, yep. Recently was bought by a big hotel chain. So on, on one hand, small breweries really rely on the high turnover, very crafty bars, and it's very hard to get a tap because they're always rotating. Some of the bigger guys, um, like the Stone and Wood and some of the other ones, have gone to the chains because you can sort of still make one or two calls and hopefully get it right the chain. Be, yeah. um, and suddenly when you sort of see that they're also going to become your big competitor, that must be quite scary um, when you want to continue growth. Um, but then for Stone and Wood as well, they are a brand that really, really works hard on their relationships. They, yeah. They're a relationship-based company. And so this must have been a really tough decision for them. Um, and they're not selling it as a, you know, as a brew dog bar. So, so, no. So it's a Stone and Wood branded brewery. It will have a... It's a 600-litre brewery. Yep. It's 90-seat venue, so fairly small. Like that's still within the small bar footprint. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. What's the opportunity for for Stone and Wood? Like, so, so it's going to be obviously it's got ninety seats, so it's a like a they're, they're talking venue hire or no, corporate no, functions I, or or uh, a, just a walk in. It was all a little bit up in the air. I understand okay. that there's going to be food there, yep. um, food trucks, ninety seat venue. The, the core range of Stone and Wood beers. So at least that's one place that you can get all of the Stone and Wood beers. So you can, you know, some places will have a Pacific Ale and maybe something in the, in the fridge. Yep. This is somewhere we can gauge with the whole range without having to go down to Byron Bay. Having a brewery there, you know, it, it's great for their brewers that they can come up and do a little bit of a, a you know, brew, like a rotation. Um, yeah. A bit of a rotation, make some interesting beers. But it's uh, a training venue for. You know, hospitality, you know, it's the Stone and Wood are one of the companies that really pioneered getting out, and they've got a draft expert who flies around the country teaching venues how to look after their lines, yep. how they should be pouring it, 
I've and been lucky enough to be invited to a couple of um, uh, Ed Bodie's yep. um, tastings as well. Uh, 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 Century. Century, yep. Which is really, you know, and they, so they do that with their, with events. So it, was, so it was great to be invited to sit in on that. And so this is the kind of stuff we do with a group of 18, 19, 20 year old you know, kids, some of whom might work in a venue three hours a week. Some might be their, you know, the assistant manager or shift manager or whatever it might be. But we can talk them through, here's how beer tastes. Now we'll deliberately taint some of these and show, you know, so this is what happens if your lines aren't clean. This is what happens if oxygen ingress occurs. This is what happens if uh, there's a fermentation issue. Yep. Um, so yeah, 100% uh, that they're behind. There's a reason for doing stuff. It's not It's not hype. It's not, um, I guess, trying to trick people into thinking that Stoneham would, is better than it is. It's a genuine... Because I know that the quality of their beer is, is very important. They've come out of the big breweries, and the big breweries do a lot of that as well. When I, when I spoke to um, Ross uh, about it yesterday, there was a real focus on this is a touch point for us, so you don't have to go to Byron Bay, people who can't do that. But it's also about our relationship with our, and staying relevant. Um, so venue owners, you know, they, they take a lot of bar staff down to have a brew day and things like that. I guess it's much easier if you can just go to Brisbane um, yeah. and do that. But then it's also a place for consumers to just see the Stone and Wood brand and see the beers in context, in, in, in at, at a scale that doesn't actually yeah. you know, too, or take too yep. much gravity or too much oxygen out of the, 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 the broader beer market. So, and, and particularly, as we've said, given that very soon there'll be at least a brew dog a similar kind of thing that's BrewDog branded. Do it quite a few. How many? I don't know. The, okay. the only figure that I've seen um, is thirty million dollars is being spent by BrewDog in Australia. Of that, they talk about ten million dollars being for a brewery. Okay. That, which was when it was initially announced, but I think as it morphed, a so twenty million dollars might the brewery and they're leasing it back. So. Right. It sounds like there were some capital issues there to, to, to do it that way. Um, but that's a lot of money that's going to be going into... 20 million will buy you a few brew pubs. There's, yeah. Could, would, should anyone else do that sort of thing? Well, Ballistic's done that. There was a thing, okay. um, Ballistic, uh, which... So a branded venue that's not... A branded venue that's their own. Not a, yeah, not a production um, brewery. Not, not a production brewery. No, okay. uh, Ballistic opened something a couple of months ago. Uh, in Montague Road at um, West End, uh, South Brisbane. Um, and David, you know, David uh, Kitchen, who's one of the directors, um, talked really uh, affectionately about brewery bars being the third place. You know, you've got home, you've got work, but then you need somewhere else to go. And breweries are very different to clubs and pubs. I think we talked about this in, yeah, in the last yeah, couple of 100%. weeks. Um, they don't need to open the quiet Monday night and then be pumping the Friday night to make up for what they lost in wages on the Monday night. And their core business isn't about being hospitality venues, but if they can open on the, the nights that people, gen, more people want to be out, then you can make a good return on on your beer. You can sort of make yep. that retail margin. You've got a revenue stream in your food. You've got a revenue yeah. stream in your food, but you're not having to push the venue to squeeze out every dollar on the busy nights to cover for the quiet nights. Um, and that's where you sort of start to see, you know, the, the, the venues. Monday night is 
Taco night, Tuesday night is trivia night, Wednesday yeah. night is Palmer, and you see all of these venues that are exactly the same. Um, and they're not really appealing to a community, they're just appealing to whoever's Whoever, after, yeah, after and a cheap night. They everyone and nothing yep. just to get a crowd in. Yep. Um, and David sort of talks about that being the third place and being that, but then they, he also said as a subtext, well, Brewdog's opening brewery bars, so we want to control our own destiny to, to some extent. Um, and if you've got a strong enough brand and you've got a good offer, then you know I, I think it's quite a smart move because it does let people who don't necessarily live in Salisbury engage engage with the brand. I guess yeah. the flip side is we've seen a lot of businesses where you might know brewing and you're picking up the wholesaling yeah. side of it, yeah. but you're not a hospitality business. Yeah, and yeah. hospitality it can make or break. Photographers get very upset these days that in the world of digital photos where you can take a thousand photos and you get one absolute cracker and you tell yourself, shit, I'm Jeez, good. I can take a photo. Yeah, I can take a photo. <laughs> Whereas it's the photographer that's got to go to the wedding and get that one, you've got yeah, one, one chance shot. to yeah. get the shot. Yeah. Um, that, that's when you're a good photographer. And hospitality you know, is, is one of those things. I think you, know, you can have a good idea, but it's executing hospitality day in day out in a way that makes getting people. the timing right and yeah absolutely and that's knowing a different it. set of skills yep. to running a production brewery so yeah for sure. um, yeah so look I, I think that it's just watch this space the, the listen take away interesting, interesting to see where it goes but really interesting to see good really excited for brisbane's point of view and i'd be really yeah. excited to see how it how it comes about but i think between the three stories we've spoken about or the two key stories we've spoken about today uh, mornington and sona wood just shows that if you'd said five years ago, what's going to be the next thing happening? Oh, yeah. takeovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone was thinking that it'll be the big breweries taking over. So we've seen a bit of that. But the really powerful moves are these much subtler moves going on in the industry as the industry, you know, as, as, yeah, as, some as, consolidations as the and yeah, bedrock exactly. shifts a little bit, um, trying to find where it's going. So it's, it's better than the alternative. Some of these iconic brands or some of these emerging um, breweries, you know, fall by the wayside or uh, or are swallowed up by. Oh, that, that we're going to see some go. We're going to see some bought out. But if you think about the way well, the we'll see more consolidations. Is, is it can the, is it possible that in five years' time we're talking about breweries that are sharing facilities? You know, maybe there's a, a big brewery there's under a one of... warehouse roof that's that's five brewing companies sharing the same equipment, or like to or or alternatively the some of the back back room stuff because I think one of, with craft being very much about brand and identity and, and those sorts of things one of the things that uh, some people are considering is you know picking up a brewery in Brisbane Sydney Melbourne um, having those, keeping those brands going but at the same time having one sales team um, so rather than having yeah. three small breweries yep. yep having three different sales teams, three different logistics one, streams. Three one accounting package, um, one HR, th- yeah. Yeah, yep. so, so you keep the brands, but then they essentially amalgamate and you get what the business people love to call synergies. So who knows, it's just really fascinating time. As even Crafty uh, Pint um, in his newsletter yesterday made the comment that you know it's almost like you're doing real journalism again when you're seeing some of these stories. You know, it's not just sort of writing about, you know, Gee, I really like this beer because it's got nice hops in it, and it smells good, and it tastes great, and it. Crap, so you didn't talk like that. Pardon? No, go on. I think there's some Facebook groups where people. Do. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, very, very exciting times, as we've said before. So uh, yeah, excellent. Um, I don't know, have you had a chance to check the mailbag? And we do still have uh, the Bolter Double IPA story to talk about that will yes. be back to regular programming and with a third voice next week. Yeah, yeah, we just um, do need so to we'll get do that. Um, but the, the one other story that has come up uh, this week is the drought. It just in the last month, it really seems to have exploded into people's consciousness. And mm. uh, we saw Lion come out recently, Iron Jack, you know, the, 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 two, uh, the, the, the two masculine brands, um, contemporary masculine brands, uh, Iron Jack and um, Great Northern, have both come out uh, with you know, fairly substantial um, fundraising initiatives to, to raise money for the drought. Um, on, on one hand, they're very much playing to their constituencies. Um, yep. You know. But the, sometimes you've just got to mobilise. But, but that's what you do. That, your own yeah. fan club. And it's, it's a lot easier than yeah. trying to break new ground. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to sound cynical, um, but and, and I don't I don't sort of diminish what they're achieving, but there is also that angle of, you know, if it was... It's good for their brand. It, it's great for their brand, and it's to the, the um, people who are buying their brand. So they're, they're yeah. looking good to their people. But at the same time, uh, this week, um, CUB has, or Anheuser Bush CUB, has donated a thousand kegs of Great Northern that are going to be sold um, with all proceeds going to um, the, the, the drought, which is awesome. So yeah, so and we've seen Palmer for... Palmer for a farmer. Palmer for a farmer. Um, and a lot of venues are starting to do that. but. The thing that I thought was really impressive about this, remember the old uh, Anzac Day? Raise a glass. Oh. Um, raise a glass. Well, they spent, you know, pick a figure out of the air, $3 million shooting these just cinematic, beautifully looking uh, commercials. There was some beautiful content produced. Um, yeah, and $3 million you know, plus the creatives and stuff like that to raise $100,000 for um, the RSL. The RSL yeah. you know? and, and you had to buy the beer to give a dollar, whereas, you know, I also think if you're being genuinely, you know, that, that's kind of like uh, chugging, you know, the, the charity mugging, where you've got to buy the product to get the thing. In this case, they've given the beer away. Um, so that's a you know, pretty big... Um, yeah, and well worth mentioning and well done. Yeah. And thank to you to, to anyone that stopped by the uh, craft beer stand that uh, we're hosting and uh, thrown yeah, a Yeah, we've got a, a couple of empty, empty schooners with a, with a little note there that um, we'll donate any leftover change tips what have you um yep. and we're up to just under 700 bucks for the eight days that we've been doing it so far so it'd be nice to crack the ton so if any any brisbane folk are around yeah, we'd like to come in time but visit craft beer alley oh won't it uh, well make a belated donation make it make a donation to the farmers yeah because you won't have so beer for, farmers. that's right this is this is for the, for beer mat well prof we'd better saddle up and get down and uh saddle up i like what you did there nice agricultural <laughs> reference uh, yeah, thanks very much, uh, listeners, for uh, joining us on this uh, important but uh, although abridged version of, uh, of Good Brews Week. And we will be back to normal, regular programming this time next week, all things being equal. Um, thanks very much to all of you who listen and to all of those who support and sponsor the program. Um, it allows us to, to do what we love doing and uh, sharing the good news as it is with all of our listeners. So thanks very much, and we'll see you all next week. And we're out.